0: Welcome to another episode of Criterion on the Couch, a podcast from two amateur film buffs as they make their way through the vast Criterion collection, one title at a time, all from the comfort of the couch. We record each episode immediately after we watch each film. I'm Adam Yurick, along with Jim Massessa. Today's episode features Robocop. Jim's going to take us through the official Criterion summary and specs.
1: Called by Ken Russell the greatest science fiction film since Metropolis. Controversial director Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop is a special effects-laden cult phenomenon. The film features a resurrected and roboticized hero, Peter Weller, in a new supercharged cyborg body, struggling to reclaim his memory and avenge his own death. Written by Edward Neumeier and Michael Miner, this brutally funny film is a grown-up superhero fantasy come to vivid, bloody life. This film came out in 1987... It's a 103 minutes long in color, Dolby surround sound, and 1.66 to 1 aspect ratio. And if you're following along at home, this is Criterion number 23.
0: And I think that's the lowest number uh, yeah, criterion well, we've done. How is
1: it? it is the lowest we've done. I have one that's lower, which we will probably never watch, which is weird because this is a DVD. It's not a Blu-ray. I don't know if I said that. DVD. Everything we've watched so far has been Blu-ray, I believe. Yeah. And the one I have that's a lower number than this is also Blu-ray, which confuses me. So I don't know if maybe they started redoing some of their DVDs as Blu-rays and then kept the number.
0: Yeah, They, they the number stays the same, whether it's, uh, it's whatever f- the film is in. If they reissue it, it's still the same number, I believe. So
1: if they ever reissue RoboCop, it'll still be 23.
0: Right, yeah
1: it says 1.66 to 1 but that's not that's not what it was released as
0: right i think we saw it was released as 1.8 to 1 uh it, this was letterboxed so it was when this dvd came out there were probably very few if if not zero widescreen televisions available right so this was formatted to fit a standard uh, aspect ratio television and then it was just letterboxed which was Actually, one of the big things the Criterion started was that when Criterion first started in the 80s, they released a lot of their stuff on, they started releasing stuff on Laserdisc, and they, they're the ones that popularized letterboxing films for DVD releases. So you can thank them for that, because most films before that would have been formatted to be a square picture, so you would have lost a lot of uh, how the original movie was shot. So, yeah. And this was also the director's cut version too, right?
1: Uh, the unrated director's cut, right. which besides that, and I mean, some of the extras on here is like film to storyboard comparison, illustrated essay on the making of RoboCop, extra trailers, but it didn't, I feel like more modern uh, Criterion movies are cleaned up pretty well. This had a lot of like dust. There were a couple times when you're looking through like RoboCop's vision and I thought there was like a bug on the TV, but it it was just like something in the film on the screen. You know what I mean?
0: Are we sure that it wasn't something on RoboCop's version?
1: It could have been. I didn't, it, I didn't didn't, it didn't seem like it would be on purpose, though. But even like in the, the Orion pictures, like logo in the yeah. beginning of the movie, there's a lot of dust just yeah. in their logo. Yeah. Uh, like they didn't really clean anything up. It didn't seem that way anyway. Yeah. So what do you think?
0: I liked it. This was the maybe the second or third time that I've seen the movie. It's been years since I since I've seen it. So I would I you buy were... this
1: movie for a dollar?
0: Of course I would. Okay, I'd pay three or four dollars for this. Well, movie. that was the actually ones... I'd pay more than that. That Was that.
1: the saying in the movie on the like fake oh, TV yeah. show? The guy I'd kept saying, I'd, I'd, buy yeah. <laughs> "I'd buy that for a dollar." I'd
0: buy that for a dollar. And
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this I mean it's a great movie. There's at least. At least three, sequ- three like official sequels. I think there's four, and then the remake from like two years ago, which did not
0: do well. And there's a television series too. I yep, yeah. yep. I actually, so great story about RoboCop or the RoboCop television series is that when I was in elementary school, my family took a trip to Toronto, Canada, to visit the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, we that's were big Toronto. Hockey, yeah, hockey fans. And uh, we, the hotel we were staying at. Uh, in an area outside of that, I guess they shot the shot the TV series in Canada, and they were filming a scene of the show, uh, and it was like a big van or whatever, and the van, like RoboCop stops the guy or whatever, and it kind of like blows up. Somebody stumbles out of it. Or, and uh, so we. I have a photo of, uh, which I'll try to track down, which is of my brother and I standing next to the stunt actor playing nice. RoboCop. And then when we were in, they had to like clear everyone out because they blew the van up, and we were in the hotel, like our hotel looking over the scene. And the van just like exploded. It was pretty awesome. And then like they had shot a little scene. It was it was kinda cool. Kind of cool to see that.
1: There were a lot of explosions in this, especially the uh the gas station that blew up. Like that was a giant explosion because the camera kind of cuts back.
0: Yeah. That was the biggest explosion in the movie, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was definitely like, you know, a more modern movie might have a CG explosion there. But that was That was real. That was yeah. I mean it's eighty seven, I feel like most of these explosions Yeah, it was all
0: I mean, practical all the effects, effects. were practical yeah. effects as, as best as you could get. I mean, there were the, the, um, what was it the E209? E, 209. 209. Um, that was all stop animation. Yeah. So that was a, it wasn't, you know, CG, which it would be CG today. But even
1: that wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be. I mean, I remember it from when I was younger. I knew it was stop motion. And I was expecting on this rewatch that it would look real janky. But it wasn't, wasn't too bad. Like the, the motion itself was still, you know, jittery, right. but the like seeing the people in the same shot with it didn't look too bad. It didn't look like real green screened or cut in or anything. It, it felt like it held up decently well. Especially speaking of effects when when Robocop takes his helmet off and you're seeing his face and like just the wires and stuff coming out of his head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To me that looked really You know, there's a lot of times when in sci-fi stuff, when there's the skin is supposed to be on top of metal, but the metal kind of is sticking up above the skin because it's you're adding on to somebody's face. But I I felt like in this, it, it really does look like his skin is naturally coming above the metal. They didn't like I mean, they had to have raised you know, kind of smoothed out where his real skin is ending with prosthetic, but I think they did it really well. That yeah,
0: it was it was really yeah. well. It was mostly like his, it was just like his face kind of stretched on and like right, pinned right. onto the head.
1: Yeah, he must have shaved his head for that to help get it down, and his hair has never grown back since. <laughs> Poor uh, uh, Peter Weller. Uh, and speaking of Hector's, there was a lot of so Ray Wise, he's like. Leon Nash, one of the bad guys, mm-hmm. um, and the old man, who's like the head of the company,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Dan O'Hearly, I think. Right. And also Bobby Morton, who's one of the other bad guys at the company. All three of them are in Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah. That's true. I feel like 80s movies, a lot of actors ended up together in other things. Uh, cause there were a couple other people that were like more of the lesser characters. What were they in? A couple I saw in Stargate and I don't know, there were some other major eighties show that I remember they they were in. anyway, I think it was weird seeing like Ray wise look so young in this and he's not a main character where I feel like nowadays yeah, he'd be, yeah, a, he
0: would be a main character
1: and even uh, a Clarence, Clarence, Kurtwood Smith. The guy who's really the bad guy—he's a red in that '70s show. That's mm-hmm. probably what most people know him from. Yeah,
0: he's oh. been in a lot of stuff too. Good, good like character actor. The other guy is uh, Paul McCrane. Paul, who is McCrane. the redheaded guy in the movie who is on the bike, like the bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy. So he was in ER. He was uh, yeah, Robert yeah, Romano. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like an asshole. Uh, Surgeon, he was also in uh, the miniseries from the earth to the moon. Uh, I forget which oh. astronaut he was, I don't think I saw but, that, but uh, that was a good miniseries. He was, uh, yeah, uh, he I had a like uh, Apollo 7, I think
1: he had a skull and crossbones bo- bolo tie. Oh, <laughs> all the bad guys had weird like neck things, uh, because Clarence had a black ascot, which is like it's not really intimidating, especially he's wearing like a big, baggy gray What's 80s suit,
0: yeah. I thought uh, the way that the movie kind of started was interesting, because in 2018, it's interesting to look back at a movie that was made in 1987 and then set in the future. Yeah, it's
1: not really set that far in the future, though. Like, it's almost six months into their own future. Is it? Well, I assume modern day 1987 is where the movie starts, right? They're not saying it's the future. It's kind of...
0: No, I think they are, though, because it's not really... Unless it's just a different universe that they're in that's like an alternate timeline of some sorts, but... Yeah, nothing really seemed
1: out of place until after he becomes RoboCop. Like, I didn't see any weird technology or anything like that.
0: Well, to me, it seemed like it was much more... Like, based on some of the weapons and things like that, the fact that they're building another city as, like, another version of Detroit... Uh, that Detroit had become this like almost post apocalyptic, but but what was what I was getting to was that um, they they had stuff like where they had the Jarvik line, oh the heart um, of hearts, yeah, and things like that that like don't really like it was like you could just get one if you needed it. The yeah, fact that the true. technology existed, they could build RoboCop. And what was also interesting was the uh, the Star Wars thing, which in in the eighties at that time was a proposal during Reagan's administration. Uh, Not the movie Star Wars we're talking about. That was like an acronym. The space station. The space. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a space like uh, weapon, like uh, anti-missile defense system.
1: Which they made a callback to at the end of the movie.
0: That was a different thing. Okay. That was an actual laser. Again, this is where I got the whole feature thing where it was like a laser that like misfired. But what was also interesting was one of the first things that talked about in the movie was a, a conflict in South Africa. Top Story Pretoria. The threat of nuclear confrontation in South Africa escalated today when the ruling white military government of that besieged city state unveiled a French-made neutron bomb and affirmed its willingness to use the three-megaton device as the city's last line of defense. At that time, would have been during the apartheid. So, like future state, yeah, there's not really that type of conflict that exists in South Africa. So there was kind of it was just it was just an interesting thing that I. But noticed. that
1: could, I mean. You could have had a nuclear weapon issue happening at that time,
0: but not in South Africa. That's what I'm saying. Well, like that's where people had nuclear weapons. But they even the board game that they show later on that was pretty thing, cool uh, was kind of funny. That Nukem. Red alert! Red alert! Red alert! You crossed my line of death. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more
1: military aid. <laughs> Nuke them. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers.
0: Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was... It's a very apropos game for today's <laughs> world. <laughs>
1: yeah, and even that that like hospital commercial.
0: Is it time for that big operation? This may be the most important decision of your life. So come down and talk to one of our qualified surgeons. Here at the Family Heart Center, we feature the complete Jarvik line. Series 7 Sports Heart by Jensen. Yamaha. You pick the heart. Extended warranties. Financing. Qualifies for health tax credit. And remember, we care. Ray. I
1: was watching, I'm like, yeah, this. I could see that something like this being on TV now. Like, it didn't seem that crazy for modern day. Like, I see commercials for maybe not hearts, but like back or like hip replacements and
0: but that's different. That's, like, pretty... Getting your hip replaced or your yeah, yeah. shoulder replaced or your knee replaced is a pretty common surgery. But the,
1: the commercial itself, like, having the doctor walk through and talking about all that stuff, I'm like, it's it's not so crazy now. I'm sure in 1987, it seemed a little, little strange, but...
0: Right. Can we also talk about, when we go back to the cast quick, that several of the people in this cast also appeared on Psych? Ah. So Peter Weller did. Yeah. And, um... Uh, Oh, oh, Ray Wise. Yeah, Ray Wise. Yeah, he was like the priest. Yeah, he was the priest. Um, But Peter Peter Weller was uh, the the uh, Yin Yang Killer. I think he was. Was he? Yin. Spoiler. Oh, spoiler (laughs) alert. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, Peter Weller's always playing either a cop, a detective, private eye, killer. I guess, (laughs) but some something like police. He's either
0: uh committing crime or right or solving it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was in Dexter as like a private eye. He oh, was that's in right. Yeah, Longmire as a former sheriff. Yeah, he's in a lot of, lot of things like that.
0: Yeah, I thought they set set the movie up really well with, like how how horrible of a situation they were in and how desperate they were, uh, they being the police force to kind of deal with all the the mass amount of crime where you know they've lost like so many cops. They set it off kind of right away. They've had like four or yeah. five cops die in the last like week. And then uh, I think it's, uh, uh, who's it, Fr- uh, Frederickson is like in critical condition. He's another cop. And then they're in the locker room when Murphy, uh, Peter Rowland's character is. The co ed locker room. Yeah, the co ed locker room, which is, which again goes to the being set in the future.
1: Right. And we're calling that out because the one female cop is just getting changed naked in the room with all the male cops. Nobody seems yeah, to no care. One cares. The same thing happens in the 90s original Starship Troopers. It, but that's like a military barrack, but it's co-ed, and it's the same director. So I'm wondering if huh. that's like a thing of
0: his I don't know. It yeah. weird. Uh, but just, just the reaction to the, uh, that the sergeant has when, you know, he comes in and he just kind of like takes his name that name, plate off his locker and starts cleaning out his stuff.
1: Funerals tomorrow. Department requests all officers not on duty to attend. Any donations for the family? Maybe
0: given to Cecil as usual. Just like that that coldness. Nobody's surprised. Nobody's like broken up because it must happen all the time. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So I guess it does kind of smooth over like why is everybody so accepting of a robotic cop just showing up and uh, immediately being included in the police force. Nobody even questions it. And Murphy, aka Robocop, but before he's Robocop, he's only on that police force not even one full day before he's immediately killed. So uh, that's also kind of good because nobody really except for his partner Lewis, nobody seems to care that oh hey, RoboCops really this other cop from 6 months ago. Right, he's Remember him? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Also Lewis and Murphy both have the same haircut.
0: They do. Yeah.
1: It was very 80s.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was very a lot of '80s, obviously, because it took place. All right, was shot it was like the, the
1: unisex haircut of the '80s? Yeah, kind of fluffy, fair. short hair,
0: permed. Yeah. Very, very uh, other cast member I forgot to mention is Miguel Ferreira, who played Bob Morton, the vice president, like the evil, not the.
1: Yeah, yeah, but he was he was in Twin Peaks too. He was. Oh, that's right. FBI yeah. FBI yeah. agent,
0: uh, also on Psych. Was he? Mm-hmm. He was uh, in the episode of uh, I forget what the episode was called, but it's an episode of Psych where they. Sean and Gus get invited in to be, like, part of this, like, brain trust to prevent this kind of, like, Steve Jobs-like CEO from being assassinated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, like, one, he ends up being the, spoiler alert, he ends up being the guy trying to kill uh, the CEO. Usually,
1: the guest of the week was the killer on Psych, or very closely related to the killer. Right. Yeah, uh, what's his name, Miguel Ferrer. Ferrer? He's, I feel like he's always playing that same, like, kind of scummy business executive guy. He just has that look. I don't know if he was typecasted after uh Robocop.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh he uh he's in a lot of stuff. I mean, I know he just he died recently. Um
1: so timeline-wise, maybe I'm messing this up, but is it only like six months from the time Murphy gets quote killed to when he becomes RoboCop?
0: I believe so. I because
1: guess. the only reason I keep saying six months, I don't think they called that out. But the original boardroom meeting, when they have the Ed 209, they say something like...
0: We're scheduled to begin construction in six months. Your temporary setback could cost us $50 million in interest payments alone. Not necessarily, sir.
1: Anyway, he has a wife and kid who, within six months, have, like, completely moved on from him dying and left the city and don't care. Like,
0: there's obviously no funeral for
1: him because his body is still at this hospital
0: yeah i guess you don't know how much time has passed from when he enters up op- like enters into operation they,
1: they definitely go past new year's because right. there's a new year's eve party in the room where they're building him which seems odd these workers don't i, don't, go I home. wouldn't
0: yeah i mean i wouldn't moving away is one thing like yeah it cause it's, could be they may, she can't maybe maybe she didn't work or whatever and she can't afford uh can't all afford the police the officers
1: had the same haircuts they're still debating going on strike so i feel like not a lot of time could have passed. True. The old guys still the executive of the board.
0: Granted they also just they also do probably I mean they live in that horrible city with all that crime, so why wouldn't they want to you know, you can't really blame them for
1: Oh, wanting, for leaving? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they did have a nice house. It seemed like they lived in a nice area. Yeah, I
0: don't uh, Yeah, that was a really nice we're, house. They
1: took all their stuff with them except for like
0: the one broken coffee mug that said like world's best dad. And everything was burned. Like the pictures were burned. What was that about?
1: Yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't I don't know the ed 209 the first time you see it it's in a boardroom meeting like they're presenting this robot to the board members in their boardroom meeting this like it's a like a tank on legs it's enormous yeah. their boardroom is at the top of this giant skyscraper so somehow they got it up there freight elevator Nobody's, i guess because it can't do stairs it
0: can't do because stairs it falls down the
1: <laughs> stairs so uh, who, like why did they think this was a good idea they were still testing it and they're they're gonna test it by having a board member pick up a gun. Mr. Kinney is going to help us simulate a typical arrest and disarming procedure. Mr. Kinney, use your gun in a threatening manner, pointed at Ed 209. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, oh, uh, oh! It screwed up. Oh, nobody planned for that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and like blows the guy apart. And nobody in cares. In super graphic fashion.
1: I was so, I, I I don't know. That didn't. I get why it's in the movie, like you're showing the robots messing up and like, oh, these these are like tough guys. they don't care that somebody else died, but that's so like if that's how the company was run,
0: there's no way that company would have been like the giant conglomerate it was
1: because they're making really bad decisions very early on.
0: Yeah, I mean, are, are they a public company that, they have to <laughs> that would have to go somewhere in the in the public record. The fact that the guy was like blown to bits inside of his. how would that not leak to the press?
1: Yeah, and how did he not... He didn't get shot out the window, but then...
0: But everyone else did. Spoiler,
1: yeah. At the end of the movie, the other guy gets shot out the window only by RoboCop. But meanwhile, the Ed 209 tank that shot this other guy about 100 times didn't put a single bullet through the, the window. They all His body stopped all the bullets.
0: Yeah, a lot of people got shot out of windows in this movie. A lot of people.
1: Yeah, so I guess RoboCop was programmed to use excessive force. Because while he's reading the Miranda rights to Clarence, he's like, you have the right to remain silent. Clarence Bodiger. Uh, you are under arrest. You have the right to remain silent? Goes over, picks him up, reads him the next right. You have the right to
0: an attorney? What is this shit?
1: <laughs> and he does it like three or four times. It's like he's not well, resisting. Well, I think
0: in that scene, he's kind of like breaking... He's breaking breaking protocol? protocol, yeah. Until Clarence says, like... You're a cop! Cop! Yes. I am a cop. And then he stops. Well, he just that, needed to be reminded. That goes to the conflicting nature of RoboCop, though. The fact that he's kind of getting back his human memories.
1: He's only got three rules to follow. It's not serve the public interest, protect the innocent uphold the law and technically number four which is you can't arrest any member of the board now it seems like three rules to follow shouldn't be that tough but.
0: which was kind of funny like i mean that was when he's going through his when it's showing his his like prime directives at the very beginning and it's like directive four is classified right but right. the guy the vice president doesn't even know that there's a directive four. like he doesn't he's not aware of that I, mm-hmm. I know that was kind of a like a little bit of a plot hole you think that they would have noticed that there's right, a fourth directive programmed into him
1: So Bobby Morton, it was his program for RoboCop, but it was Dick Jones's program for the for the Ed 209. But somehow Dick Jones knows that RoboCop can't arrest him, even though that wasn't his program. It was Bobby's program. But Bobby never really calls that out.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure that the RoboCop never got to to Bobby into the project. Yeah,
1: it was kind of the same tech. Yeah. Bobby Jones's apartment when he has like his two quote models over to party with him. So he has this giant entertainment center, which is like wall to wall. I don't know, like racks of audio equipment and a TV and a CD player because or DVD player. Mm-hmm. Again, this is 1987. Right. Uh, because he's watching the video of Dick Jones on the DVD, but he also has a real to real tape player Within the same entertainment center, two very different technologies. Like, he had a, like this classic modern house. All the equipment was black, like matte black. And then right in the center is like a giant reel-to-reel. Come
0: Maybe on. he likes quality <laughs> no, analog audio. No. my dad has a stereo cabinet that has a reel-to-reel player, a uh, record player, a dual cassette tape deck, and a CD player, all in one area. So reel-to-reel, good sound.
1: Well, perhaps your dad is running a clandestine, uh, robotics manufacturing company.
0: Mm, I don't know about that. Ah. Going back to the boardroom, I thought what was funny, uh, was kind of the reaction of the the head of the company when after the guy gets killed, he just kind of, he turns to Dick and says, Dick, I'm very disappointed. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) okay, that's your reaction?
1: The, uh. Going back to the DVD, so it said this was the unrated director's cut, including excessively violent shots. And I think that shootout in the boardroom was the first. I mean, I think that was really the some of the first violence in the movie at all. But it was very excessive.
0: I I would say, other than Murphy getting killed, that was the most graphic scene in the movie.
1: Yeah, they. I mean, they. But shot him. Not Mm -hmm.
0: inaccurate, though. Like I feel like. Yeah. I mean, while it was like a little much, you know, I feel like in some of the scenes where we saw people getting shot or whatever, I mean, I feel like the bullet wounds based on like the, the type of gun they were getting shot with were pretty realistic. So it's not like it was overly like over the top. No, he was
1: getting shot by a tank on legs. So yes, it's going to be disgusting. But yeah, the like when Robocop would shoot people, it was very unrealistic. Like he's shooting a kind of semi-automatic gun, but people are getting hit like once and then doing, like, weird spins and falling over. Yeah.
0: Well, that's always. That's, like, movie stuff. It's kind yeah. of dramatic. Also, he, ro- just RoboCop never seems to run out of ammo or reload.
1: No. And the gun is not part of his suit. I mean, he can store it in his suit, but it seems to be this amazing gun. Why don't they just give every, all the cops that gun? Like, Maybe they can't handle it? I don't know. Lewis seemed to be holding it pretty easily when she handed it to him uh, in the steel. Well, mall.
0: holding it's different from firing it is what I kind of meant. They can yeah. handle firing of it. Uh, one of the things that we see Murph do early on is he kind of twirls his gun. Yep. In his in his hand and then puts it into his uh, holster and he gets called out as being a thing of uh, T.J. Laser. Yes. Pretty fancy moves, Murphy. Uh, yeah. Well, my son Jimmy watches this cop show, T.J. Laser, and this laser guy does this every time he takes down a bad guy. So naturally, my my kid thinks every a good cop should be. And you don't want to point. Yeah. Well. Available.
1: Role models can be very important
0: to a boy. After who, when you see the clip of his, like, through his memory, his son uh, pl- uh, watching TV, that kind of has a resemblance to RoboCop. But when he first said it, I was like, T.J. Laser, is that, wait, is that the guy from T. The T. J. Big Bunker? Chill? No. Oh. It was T.J., I think it's T.J. Lancer oh. in The Big Chill that, um, what's-his-face his character plays, uh, Tim Bergerac? Bergerac?
1: From America's Funniest Home Videos?
0: Tom Berger Tom Bergeron?
1: No, it wasn't him. TJ Laser did kind of look an awful lot like Robocop, which seems suspicious that a company would then make their robotic cop look like a TV show character.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't know. I think it was just kinda like a little subtle thing that was in there.
1: What was the So the the name of the company is OCP? Yeah. What did the P stand for? Because the OC was Ocean City. And it I thought? Was? Well, at one point, somebody said Ocean City when they were talking about OCP, and then I thought maybe the P was police, but on RoboCop's helmet on the side, it says OCP
0: police. So the P can't be police. No, they're not. OCP, that wouldn't be for police.
1: No, not for the name of the company. I did not know if it was like Protectorate or something. I don't
0: know. I don't know. know if they ever say it. I don't think they do. I didn't know. I didn't catch that.
1: I'm very into like fake companies in movies, like Wayland Corporation.
0: Dunner Mifflin. Dunner Mifflin.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Reinhold Industries, that's TV show too. Inatech. Like,
0: mm-hmm. I just
1: like fake companies and their logos because I feel like, I don't know why, but I feel like if you're a graphic designer, you're not like bound by, well, I guess maybe that is it. You're not bound by like a real company board being like, oh, I don't really like that logo. Uh, use this color instead. You can kind of go a little more nutty. I just want to know what OCP stands for.
0: Omni Consumer products, OCP.
1: Also, I felt like those 80s bad guys laugh a lot more than modern bad guys.
0: <laughs> Good night, sweet
1: prince. <laughs> hey, wait up, wait up, wait up. <laughs> they would shoot somebody and then laugh. And it wasn't just like, ha ha. It was like a knee slapping laugh. And then everybody else, like, oh, yeah, yeah, ha, ha, you did shoot him. Ha, ha,
0: ha. Yeah, it was very sociopathic. I felt like that was a way to try to say that these guys were really messed up, that they were kind of laughing hysterically about the fact that they were murdering people.
1: Yeah, and then they didn't actually seem to care about the crime they had committed. Like they stole all this money and get back to their hideout. And then Murphy shows up before he's Robocop, they shoot him up. And then they're like, let's get out of here. Ha ha. And they leave.
0: They don't take any of the money with them. Well, the money was burned. Don't forget.
1: Eh, you probably could have salvaged some of that money. But they just leave. It's like they, uh, they didn't care about, actually, do, they, they wanted to do crime, but they never really get away with anything. And they explain what they're trying to do. They say, We keep robbing banks, but we never get to keep the money. It takes money to make money. We steal money to buy coke, then sell the coke to make even more money. Capital investment, man. Yeah, but why bother making it when we can just steal it? There's no better way to steal money than free enterprise. I feel like there's a step in there that's probably unnecessary. Like, cut out the stealing money to buy the drugs. Just make the drugs and sell them. And you're probably going to make more money. And you're cutting out getting caught stealing the money in the first place before you even get to the end. You know what I'm saying? Like, it seems like a complicated... Robbery, heist, to then make the drugs, to then sell the drugs.
0: Yeah, they're just not very good at running their drug dealing business. That so they can't make a profit. That they can't turn around and then buy more of that pro- of that product to then sell.
1: Or, or just don't do the drugs part of it. Just steal the money.
0: Right there, you go.
1: Keep the money and then don't like. I mean, it's. I, they're obviously not the smartest criminals because they all get caught slash killed by the end or thrown True. out a window.
0: And die. So, I thought so. If we talk about like the scene where Murph gets shot, he pretty much gets shot. Like, the guy shoots his hand off right? with the shotgun. Then he gets he's standing up, and then his arm just gets shot off. So like arm. I was watching, yeah, same arm. I Feel like I was watching the uh scene with the Black Knight from Monty Python on the Holy Grail, where it's just like gets. <laughs> yeah, his arm he's just a torso off, at the end, and he's still going. He's still alive, and he and Murph is still alive too. He kind of like falls on his knees. He gets shot easily 20 to 25 times oh
1: definitely with shotguns yeah all.
0: in the chest mm-hmm. and in the bo- torso and his legs and everything and he's still alive he then gets shot in the head like almost point blank and he's still alive right
1: shot in the front of the head with an exit wound out the back of the head but is he alive because he's
0: yes he seems like he's dead he was alive because i think they had a pulse and his eyes were moving and stuff when they were medevac'ing him
1: that's, I mean, out of all the unbelievable things in this movie, I would say that is the most unbelievable part. But besides just the loss of blood, and by the time they got him to a hospital, there's no reason he should have still been alive. Because nobody, the only person there was Lewis, his partner. Right. And she's just hanging out with the body, not really too affected. She seemed a little sad.
0: Yeah, and then so after that, we're we're in where they're turning him into RoboCop. Yep. And it was... <laughs> Miguel Ferrer's character is kind of like...
1: We were able to save the left arm.
0: What? I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? And he just kind of is like, yeah, he's got to have, like, it's, it's supposed to be all robotic.
1: And they attach an LED to his face, which is like a green grid. Yeah. And then as they screw it in, the grid yeah, that lines kind of get funny. bigger.
0: That was kind of a funny a, little effect.
1: No LED scientist, but I don't think that's how LEDs work.
0: And he's eating basically baby food as his as his food. They say his digestive system has been like reprogrammed or changed right. to you know, he only to have this paste. And the guy like keeps eating it. The one the one like vice president or whomever he is, the
1: Yeah, he seemed guy. really happy. Oh it tastes like baby food. Yeah, and it's like an ice cream machine that it.
0: they're like pulling out of too. It was crazy.
1: Which, you know, in the be- in the beginning when they're introducing the ed two oh nine, um one of its big selling points is that it doesn't need food.
0: We need a a 24-hour-a-day police officer.
1: A cop who doesn't need to eat or sleep. But Hmm. RoboCop still needs food, so... There you go. He's, You know, when you have, like, anything like an alien-versus-robot movie or something where there's, like, two, like, supposedly equal monsters or creatures fighting each other, it's usually the one that's not the stronger one that has to somehow beat the stronger one. And... Part of the weakness, I think, of RoboCop is that he's still organic. Right. And having him have to eat food, even though he never really eats it after
0: however many days. I don't think we ever see him eat anything.
1: Yeah, but he is still, he has blood in him. He has to eat food. He needs oxygen. Does he have blood in him? Well, when he gets killed at the end, not killed, but beat up pretty bad, steel falling on him, and then, like, stabbed... With that but, metal. The,
0: but, but at the end, he stabs the guy, and the blood that's all over him is that guy's blood.
1: Oh. Ah. See, I assume that was all his blood because he got stabbed in the chest. No. And he's screaming. Yeah,
0: I didn't get that, why he's screaming in pain. Because Robocop
1: is programmed to feel pain. Also, uh, yeah. where he's programmed to disobey the law and use excessive force. True. And somebody's programming him to use these cheesy one-liners.
0: Your move, creep.
1: Like Somebody had to type that in for him to say it.
0: Yeah, but Murph said those.
1: He did say some of them. He did say the dead um, or
0: alive, you're coming with me. Yeah, that's how they recognize who he is. But also, I don't think excessive force is illegal. I think sometimes cops are allowed to use excessive force. It's Uh, called excessive force, and there are instances with excessive force is authorized. Right, but I
1: feel like when he...
0: He's just using it because he wants to. Right.
1: He's not, there's no, like he's driving a car in one scene and somehow out of the corner of his vision, his robo vision is determining that a crime is being committed at that gas station that I can barely see. So some software is smart enough to know, like, not just that there are people there, but what is happening is a crime. So there's logic happening there. But in the moment, while he's like fighting a guy, there's no logic that's like, Well, he has stopped resisting, so the force level should be lowered because now it's excessive.
0: But again, I think that's where it, by that point in the movie, he sees, like he recalls that guy in his dream, and he goes out looking for him, so he he wants to kill the guy, but it's his programming that eventually stops him. So in the moment in which he's using, quote, excessive force... He's really just trying to kill the guy. Like he's not RoboCop. He's not the cop part of RoboCop. He's just really Murph trying to seek revenge on this guy. And his programming is is what stops him.
1: Yeah. So we didn't really talk about that. So that's kind of like to make him RoboCop, they wipe his memory. But I don't like, is that really necessary to do? What, what is advantages that of not having him remember he was a cop before this and who he was, because it seems like it just made him worse. Because now he doesn't know who he is or why he's there.
0: Yeah, I think, was is the one part where he's talking to, at the, towards the end of the movie when they're in the steel mill, mm-hmm. he's Son talking to Lewis. Lewis and he's talking about his family and, like, what happened to them. And he says, she asks him about, like, the memories or whatever that he may have of them. And he says, I can feel them. But I can't remember them. Yeah. So I, it's... Like, was his memory what really wiped? Did they say that, that his memory was wiped?
1: While they're rebuilding him, oh, they say idea. something like... Can, can
0: you understand what I'm saying? doesn't matter. We're going to blank his memory anyway.
1: I mean, maybe it's to, like, cut out emotions, since he's supposed to be robotic. Like, maybe by wiping his memory, he's not going to have, like, feeling or attachment. Going back to that quote. I also did appreciate, at one point, Dick... I think Dick is talking to Clarence. And they're talking about RoboCop, and he says...
0: He's a cyborg, you idiot!
1: Which is true. Like, he's not a—he's not really a RoboCop. He's not a robot. They're calling him RoboCop, but a... By definition, a robot should just be mechanical. Right. A cyborg should be human-slash-robotic. Like the Borg. Like the Borg, which is why they're the Borg, Cyborg. Yes. Whereas Data is an android. And the... ED209 in Robocop is the the ED is enforcement droid. It is all robotic. There's no human component to it.
0: Speaking of droids, uh,
1: these are not the droids you're looking for.
0: Exactly. So that's what I'm getting to. Oh. So you know, in Star Wars, it, it's funny. Like I felt like there's a little bit of a parallel there, where like in Star Wars, R2D2 can pretty much go up to any mainframe system and just and like plug put in. It, he can plug in, <laughs> puts his little plug in, and he twirls things around, and he can access anything. And in this world, RoboCop can do the same thing. He basically has what's like a single... A data spike. Yeah, he has a gigantic metal spike that comes out of his hand like Wolverine. Yes. And he's just able to insert that, like it's a USB port, and he's able to just... And then the guy, uh, you know, uh, what's-his-face is... Uh, Bob Morton's character just has an input there, and he has one, and uh, the... Yeah. Uh, well, like, I think
1: that's part of the futuristic aspect you were talking about. Like, that, that is, like, the futuristic USB... And they don't explain it at all, but everything that's like electronic just seems to have that port. Right. So it's built, I mean, why you would design it like a giant spike, even if it's not part of a a robotic cop, it's just like a thumb drive you're carrying around that's a giant spike. You design it like a giant
0: spike so that later in the movie he can stab someone in the neck with it and kill them. I get
1: it for a movie, but if you're an electron, if you're Apple, you're not introducing the all new iSpike. As, like, the new standard (laughs) for data transfers.
0: That'd be pretty funny. Nobody's going to buy that. Instead of USB-C, we're now using the data spike. The
1: data spike. The other cool little data thing they had was the robo-realtor thing when he goes back to his house. Yeah,
0: that was kind of cool. Welcome, shopper. Let's take a stroll through your new home.
1: So they have, like, these weird, slightly futuristic things that, again, they don't explain, but not... It's not really everywhere else. It's just like very specific. I think the police cars had like an old fashioned PS2 keyboard yeah. like in the dashboard. Nobody ever really used it, but it was just there. They also talked about the SUX car. It's back.
0: Big is back because bigger is better. 6000 SUX, an American tradition. The six thousand sucks. Oh, is that basically. what it was? Well, it's not. That's not what they say. But they kept calling it the SUX. But yeah, yeah, if you were you're to right. Say that it says sucks. It looked like it's a
1: like an old Charger or something. Yeah, it or looked like, like a CRX, uh,
0: like an old Camaro, Camaro, maybe, or yeah, I get kind like of Pontiac Grand Am, I think, is what it really looked like.
1: An 80s sports car. Yeah, it got eight point two miles per gallon, but everybody wanted it.
0: So how about those like assault cannons that they get at the end of the movie? That they're basically look nice. like barrier 50 cal sniper rifles with little like computerized scopes (laughs) attached and they just fire it and it just blows everything up where they just kind of i felt like we were watching a movie clip of grand theft auto where (laughs) someone was just blowing stuff up for fun and right and they're blowing up
1: stuff that's maybe five six feet away from them and it's exploding like glass and metal shard and they're people are just laughing nobody seems to care no
0: issue they blow up
1: they blow up their own cars while they're doing this as like a joke But then they have to, like, drive to the next place to catch RoboCop. So now the one guy has to drive basically like a bread van because they blew up his car while they
0: were having a good time laughing. Yeah, I saw that coming. I just like how he kind of hands out, uh, Clarence hands the guns, and he's like,
1: Cobra, assault cannon, state of the art,
0: bang, bang. (laughs) Like (laughs) It's just just so cheesy. Just some of the lines are so cheesy. But that's what actually kind of makes it a good movie because it is... It is humorous in the way that it's like you know, with the you're, you're just laughing. I mean, I feel like even in 1987, people would have been kind of chuckling in the movie theater with how over the top like some of the death yeah. scenes were, and the and people blowing up or or what's his face uh, uh, put he crashes into the toxic waste tank, <laughs> and then he comes out and he has his skin just like melting off of his Immediately. body. Immediately, yeah. Well, I mean, it could could happen. It was also
1: a very abandoned steel mill, and somehow. Nobody's, like, taken away this
0: toxic... And why does a steel mill have toxic waste that would melt someone's skin off of it?
1: But it didn't melt the container it was in. It only melted him. Right.
0: Yeah. That
1: seemed kind of strange.
0: I mean, like, was it hydrofluoric acid can be contained into a container and then melt sure. the skin off?
1: I wouldn't necessarily call that toxic waste. It's well, certainly dangerous. True. And it was green.
0: Yeah. And then he gets hit by Clarence in the car and he just, like... He, like, <laughs> he just, his, like his body squished. just explodes... And his head just is like a watermelon, like bouncing on the car and then blows up.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this director, uh, what's his name? Paul Verhoeven. He also did, I said he did Starship Troopers, but he also did Total Recall and he did the original Total Recall, mm-hmm. which was also re- recently redone like RoboCop. I wonder if he's redoing all his old movies. And he did Hollow Man. Mm-hmm. I feel like both of those also had like squishy explosion people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say that it definitely is his this director's style. Like practical
1: if effect, but trying to be gross. Right. That data center that RoboCop goes in with his data spike, it seemed like every police officer in the force was just hanging out in this data center.
0: Yeah, I didn't really get what that was. I, I didn't understand why there were so many people in there. It was
1: like a server room. There were just racks right. and racks of computer equipment and like 30 police officers in full uniform and they're all like, "Oh, what are you doing in here?" Right. What are you doing in here? You don't you're not a data scientist, like you're a police officer. Yeah. Don't hang, you're not We're
0: running uh, background checks and doing facial recognition.
1: No. <laughs> well, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He plugs in and like it lists every individual crime on this guy in just standard text and then like when it shows his own face, giant flashing red deceased on the screen. Just in case you might miss that. Yeah, we moment. didn't
0: know that he was that's who it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny. I also thought that was what was really good in this movie that maybe would go unnoticed was the film score was actually really good. It had a really good like really? theme for Robocop. <laughs> I thought it it just I thought it was pretty well done. There wasn't a lot of music, but like there was a good consistent like RoboCop theme. Uh, played at the end credits, but there was a yeah. kind of big theme that would play um, whenever RoboCop was kind of entering in to, to stop something. Thought it was a good.
1: Yeah, I didn't really notice the music at all until they, like you said, the end credits. I guess maybe that is a good sign of of music if it's consistent enough that.
0: Well, no, I mean, I think I feel like you'd you know you'd want the music to kind of inform your senses when you're watching it. I guess it depends on you know what you're listening to. It was Speaking definitely eighties. 80s feel well if you if you want to delve into film scores you can listen to the podcast a soundtrack show which is
1: Ah, very good uh, very good podcast i thought you weren't a fan of that
0: yeah i I didn't like the first episode but then i listened to the rest and he did like a two-part thing on jaws and the film score around that with like interview clips from john williams and spielberg and i've listened to a couple other ones he just did one on video game music like the super mario stuff really really good it's really good podcast
1: uh yeah he's a like, and he is a musician or a composer or something, because he'll, yeah, he'll and play the actor, score. Yeah, and voice actor,
0: and yeah, he was in, like, Star Wars and Star Wars video games and stuff like that, I guess, so. What I kind of got, uh, the part the film that kind of quickly made me realize, like, what the theme of this film is was the, we talked about it a little earlier, but it's a scene where the, uh, I think it's, like, the strategic air defense system misfires that laser.
1: 10,000 acres of wooded residential land were scorched in an instant when a laser cannon aboard the Strategic Defense Peace Platform misfired today during routine startup tests. Casey?
0: Yes, it was a day of mourning for the families of 113 people known dead at this hour, among them two former United States presidents who had retired in the Santa Barbara area. A day of mourning for a country. Just like nonchalant, and two presidents died. Well, tragic day, and then they just move on. In, right, in that's, other news. it's
1: just on like a news channel.
0: Right, the the theme of this movie is really the in the eighties the mistrust of and you know fear of technology. Yeah, this idea that like you have the Star Wars, you know, station with the president on it malfunctioning. You have that laser malfunctioning and killing people. You have the robot, the 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 Ed two hundred nine misfunctioning and killing people. And you even have Robocop who does essentially misfunction and goes against the way he was programmed, yeah. he overcomes his... Well, actually, he doesn't really overcome his programming because the way he gets around it is the guy gets fired and he shoots him. Right. But still, I think you see a lot of what this film is really about is kind of getting that era of time in which there was all this new technology happening and people... And even to this day, people don't... There's still anything new that comes out. You have... I mean, especially with some of the... You have like the data issues around Facebook. You have... Amazon Alexa's, Google Homes, are they always really listening to what you're saying? Are they using that information for, yeah. you know, is your phone listening to you when you're there? There's constant, like, internet conspiracy around the fact that you talk about something with your friends that you didn't look up online, and then all of a sudden there's an ad for it in your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed. So I feel like there's, there is still this, even though today we're using technology more and more, there's still this generalized mistrust of technology and that it will fail us.
1: But I feel like in... So, like Robocop going rogue or against his program, he was programmed poorly. And it also made me wonder why did they even need to use a real person? If you're programming all that stuff as rules, what do they need the human brain part in the robot for?
0: Yeah, that's a good question that wasn't really explained. I didn't really. Maybe in
1: Robocop too. Yeah, I
0: don't know.
1: I would uh, imagine that you're relying on the brain to do all the muscle movement stuff. Then you don't have to program, like, raise arm, pull trigger. That's like, true. You're relying, you're feeding commands to the brain and then allowing the brain. I get I'm reading way more into that than was probably thought of when this
0: movie probably. was pitched. But, yeah, yeah. I, I still think it's sort of an interesting thing to consider.
1: But also bad programming. If you're programming a Giant Walking Tank, don't program it to Growl! <laughs>
0: Or yeah, scream I, when it falls down staircases. It was kind of funny that, they ha- that the machine makes animal sounds, like animal grunting sounds, and then it was squealing like a pig right. when it flipped on its back. I just thought that was kind of a, a interesting choice.
1: Because somebody would have to, like, okay, if fall on back and cannot return to upright position, then squeal like a pig. Like, somebody has to program well, that in. I
0: think you're looking into it more like that, that it's not necessarily... I, I think that was a way... Using those sounds was a way to help the audience easily identify the emotion that the thing was trying to I get think. that. Not that that was like that they recorded those sounds and that it's actually a pig squealing. That's just what they used to enforce that versus like machinery sounds. To...
1: So you're saying the people in the movie aren't
0: actually hearing that? We're only hearing that as the audience? I'm saying that the people in the movie are hearing it, but that for us, for the people making this film... They chose to use those sounds because it, they humans, like us as an audience, would identify. We, we know what those sound like. We know what those animal sounds mean. So it's an right. easier way of doing it versus having R2-D2 like robotic beeps and things like that go into it that are you have to identify. Because you kind of have to set that up. Like you get when you watch Star Wars, they did a good job like kind of setting up what his – different tones and things right, right, mean in right. different situations. And this definitely
1: came out after Star Wars, but you don't see like well, robots squealing in Star Wars.
0: I don't know the, how like I mean in terms of its budget and what you're doing oh, like, yeah. I don't Well, I mean, I'm sure it I didn't think, have
1: George Lucas money behind it.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was funny that it was kind of the kind of made it even so. It sillier. was definitely
1: funny. Yeah, maybe that goes back to the, you know, they called this movie a uh, brutally funny film and you were even saying you know, like with the guns, like it's funny.
0: Like, it's over the top. It's right, so maybe that's
1: part top. of the animal noises coming yeah. out of a robot.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. I mean, I would definitely, I'd watch it again. Have you it, watch if it, if RoboCop
1: I, 2? I would probably.
0: Is Peter Weller in RoboCop 2?
1: I think he's in all the major ones.
0: I feel like I'd watch RoboCop 2. Yeah. I'd, uh, I feel like I would watch RoboCop 2 and be disappointed by RoboCop 2, <laughs> but I would still watch it knowing that.
1: I heard uh on Adam Savage's podcast he has some of the original like props from this from RoboCop um in the ED-209 there was some story about how the toys being made for the ED-209 because of the way the model is it was so easy for companies to put out their own like toy of the ED-209 and the actual company trying to sell the, the toys was not getting any sales because everybody was buying these knockoffs. So in RoboCop 2, the like bad machine, they they designed it in the movie, the, for the movie, they designed it to try to make it hard to replicate as a toy so huh. that they wouldn't lose sales on it.
0: What about it made it hard, what made it easy to replicate? Because there were a lot of shots of the way it yeah, moved I guess, and looked. And, or...
1: Yeah, and I think because it's such a giant machine too, like when you have a miniature Something that's smaller, you have to really get those details right, or people are going to know, like, oh, this this looks cheesy. There's no detail on it. But that thing was so huge, they didn't have to worry about getting all the details mm-hmm. real right on it because there weren't a lot of details. Right, right. Uh, I'm sure this happens a lot nowadays, especially with, like, kids' movies, where you're using the idea of the toy to oh, yeah. dictate how the movie is going to be made. Oh, definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like that's kind of a lot of Star Wars right there. Yeah,
1: at least the... Uh, Episode one, two, three.
0: Yeah, the prequels. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for this episode of Criterion on the Couch. You can find the show notes at Criterion on slash Robocop. Next time, we'll be discussing The Graduate. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. On Twitter, we're at Criterion Couch. And on Instagram, we're at Criterion on the Couch. I'm Adam Yarrick with Jim Massessa. Dead or Alive, you're coming with me. See you next time.